that sure feels like a bubble is going to burst soon. You know, look at parts of California, yep. parts of Florida, par- parts of everywhere, every nook and cranny. Boise, Idaho, the president of my company, he moved from Boise to uh, to Dallas. He puts his house under contract. He closes 60 days later. By the time he closes, he's got more than half of the required 25% down payment for his loan already back in appreciation in 60 days. That is crazy. That's insane. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media. And today's episode is really special. And I'm actually not the host of this conversation. The host today is the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Ferry. In this really cool episode, Housing Wire Editor-in-Chief Sarah Wheeler and I joined Tom in his studio in Dallas and had a really in-depth conversation about all things housing that are impacting the market for today's real estate agent and loan originator. We talk rates, we talk inventory, we talk sales strategy, we talk sentiment, we even talk about some of the conflicts that are happening on the world stage and how they're influencing the market for real estate professionals. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Tom Ferry, Sarah Wheeler, and I. I had a really good time with Tom, and I hope you enjoyed as well. Rocket Pro TPO is delivering more for partners with Cruise. It's a dedicated team of experts who help you navigate the mortgage process. You have direct access to underwriters, closing specialists, and purchase title coordinators working on your loans from start to finish. That means more accessibility, efficiency, certainty, and speed. Cruise is your team that knows your business. To learn more, visit rocketprotpo.com. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states in MLS number 3030. Super excited to talk about the things that are on your mind the most. Let me just give you some words. You ready? Interest rates, inventory levels, inflation. Should I wait? Did I miss the market? Is the entire economy about to explode? Are we in a bubble? And oh yes, there's a war. So do I have your attention? That's what today's show's about. And to help us get there, to help us unpack all this stuff, I've got Clayton Collins, CEO of Housing Wire, and Sarah Wheeler, editor-in-chief. I'm stressed just having you on the show, Sarah, just for the record. So she, she's judging all of us. I'm so not. Right. She's okay, editing I, our words. I failed every English class and can't write at all, and I have three books. So thank God for editors. So Sarah, give us some some context. Um, so Tell us your backstory. How did you get here? And like briefly help us understand what does it mean to be the editor-in-chief at HousingWire? Oh, great. Yeah. I've been at HousingWire for nine years. All so right. I was there before uh, Clayton Collins uh, bought the company. Yes. Um, great time being there. My background is in both newspaper and in marketing, ad agencies, all of that kind of came together. And right. so I launched our sponsor content program mm-hmm. back in the day. And now all of the content rolls up to me, whether that's news, sponsored, podcast, video, whatever it is. So- it's fun. So when like when you reach out to people, do people get nervous? Like, uh oh, <laughs> they're writing an article about me. Is potentially. Yeah, yes? yeah. Potentially. Or, I'm sure you got a lot of writers for that, but like you're the big boss. I do. I have a lot of writers for that. They do a great job. And so when I call, it's usually a uh, more friendly. Love it. Love it. And then Clayton, just so people have context, you know, Sarah sort of dropped the bomb that you bought this company. Yeah. Um, you know, we got to know each other through through a bunch of other transactions. Give them just some context. Where'd you come from? And then like talk to us about what it's like to run Housing Wire. Yeah, I'm a 
banker turned housing media guy. So I, I started in banking, uh, Citigroup in New York, then Royal Bank of Canada. At RBC, I fell in with a group that was doing a lot of M&A advisory of media transactions. So like I was yes. learning like the media business on the, the transaction side, as many advisors do. Kind of got the itch to be on the other side of the table right. and said, all right, it's time. Let's go out and find a business to acquire and operate. Grew up around the real estate and mortgage world. So the, the combination of like this, this subject matter, this vertical and, yeah. and media just made perfect sense. So we acquired Housing Wire in 2016, spent a lot of time putting in place the right management team and tech stack and processes and all the things that it takes to, to get a business moving in the right direction. And, uh, and since then have been charging forward on our, our mission that is all things housing. So we were trying to connect news and information across the entire housing vertical from real estate sales to home construction and new home sales, home financing, mm -hmm. refis, all the housing economy news that housing professionals across the ecosystem need, um, reverse mortgages, prop tech. So today right. we operate four brands, Housing Wire, which covers real estate and the uh, mortgage financing world, Real Trends, which is covering the real estate agent and brokerage world, yep. uh, Reverse Mortgage Daily, and you guessed it, Reverse Mortgages, yes. and FinLedger covering prop tech. Uh, so like that is our, that's our current fiefdom covering the housing world, but uh, have big ambitions of where we're going. It's so, first of all, congratulations, right? It's so interesting the perspective that you guys receive, right? Like, cause you talk to so, like I try and talk to a lot of people. You guys talk to, I feel like even more people than I could imagine. So your worldview of housing is very different. Like when I talk to Ivy Zellman as an example, or the guys at Keeping Current Matters, or, you know, even some of the people at Inman, right? Like everybody is getting all this and then we put their filter on it and we put it out there. We want to talk today about these, these issues that are really pressing for people. So if we just start out of the gate and we say interest rates, the Fed told us they were going to raise the rates. Did no one listen? Right. <laughs> I mean, they told us they were going to do it three times. And now we're like, interest rates, what's going on? We're like, we were talking about this last year. So so give us the state of the union on interest rates. What's happening? What can we expect to happen? And obviously, this is you know somewhat time stamped because we're sitting here on April 19th. So, so what do you see? What do we need to know? Help us. Yeah. So I, the thing that I think is most important when you're talking about interest rates is historical context. And yes. if you look at the Freddie Mac, Freddie Mac data, that's been probably the most reliable source mm -hmm. of data for tracking 30 year fixed rate mortgages for the mm -hmm. last three decades is we are in a multi-decade downtrend in mortgage right. interest rates. Right. And while it might 5% where we're kind of fluctuating around right mm -hmm. now might feel expensive on a 30 year trajectory, we are dirt cheap rates. And if you talk to anybody who is in this market mm -hmm. for more than one cycle, hell, for more than three years, right. they they know that yep. the housing industry can operate, yep. can thrive in a 5% market. And that and that's challenging. But there's like, the, we can take this conversation to buyer psychology and Ella, lender psychology and agent psychology and all the feelings that come when interest yes. rates shoot up as fast as they did. And that's right. probably the most important thing to talk about here is not that rates rose. No, Nobody should have been surprised at that. No. It's the velocity at which right. they rose and, and how we went from, yep. I think we we're like the lows were in November, December, we were talking about like rates with a two handle on the front yep. and you know, you, your, your smart homeowners and smart uh, LOs got refied and got their clients refied in mm -hmm. these 2.65s, 2.8s. We're not there anymore. We're at a, right. we're at a 5% market. Um, Still, right? Like it's not the worst cost of capital ever, but it's the the speed of yeah. three months of shooting yeah. up. And there yeah. was a period a few weeks ago where we shot up a hundred basis points or a whole her whole right. percentage point in a week. Right. And that's right. just that's 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 tough for a lot of people to stomach. But uh 
historical context. I, uh, yeah, please. Sarah. I think the other thing is, you know, the fact that the Fed, they did warn us, but they said six more times. I right. think that has freaked people out. And right. really, we don't know if that's going to happen. I yep. mean, inflation is a bus that's they're running after as hard as they can. But is it actually going to be six times? We'll have to see. Yes. Yes. It, but but the the market is already pricing in those six. And I think that's an important like that's a key distinction. Like with home price appreciation index, they knew it was gonna happen and they're still saying twenty twenty seven all the way out, prices are going up. Yep. So yeah, like yeah, we, we go to home price home price appreciation, but I think it's like you have like people still scared that rates are going to keep moving at the velocity yeah. they are, which feels like a very unlikely scenario considering that capital markets are already pricing in six rate hikes. Right. Now if the stock market keeps shooting up and the Fed feels that like their their purview on the market should extend to kind of restrict infl- inflation through um, further interest rates increases, then it hey that could um that could put some more upward pressure on rates. But right now it feels like we're pretty priced in, and right. uh, I, I I'm kind of feeling some stability. What do you think? I also think that, you know, you have the opposite. Uh, you have some other forces. We're, we're going to talk about war at some point. I mean, right. working in the, in the other right. direction. So right. it, it's not clear to me inflation right now versus inflation in a month, two months. I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. I, I'll just put in my two cents because obviously you two are experts in this and live in it every single day. I, I look at the data and say, okay, are showing still happening? Yes, they are. Right. People are still out looking at houses. There's no doubt. Like back in the summer of 2018, when it went from 3.9 to 4.9, like on a Tuesday, I think it was happening during one of my live events. Literally, yep. it was 3.9, 4.9. I'm like, whoa. And everybody, the the reaction to 4.9 might as well have been 490%, right? Because we were so <laughs> right. used to that three. Like we got semi used to the two, even though we knew it was kind of a false economy, yep. right? We just got used to it. What would you say to a home buyer, a friend of yours who's like, Oh, Sarah, I don't know. Did I miss it? Like, like I just feel like I'm buying it. It's, it's high prices and high interest rate. Yep. No. So I have had this conversation with my kids. So I have all millennial kids and they're like, you know, some of them bought, some of them haven't bought. Yes. They're like, am I, am I missed it? And from my perspective, you know, our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami mm-hmm. is on every week and he writes for us. And his feeling is that the demographics that are pushing the demand yes. are, are good all the way through 2024. Yes. And in fact, right now you have all those people who are bidding on houses and losing. So I wonder if it even pushes out farther than that. So, and he's right. basing that on household formation during those years, you know, millennials coming into their biggest home buying years, they they want to yeah. buy a home. So yes. even if it's five, five and a half, whatever it is. And so I've told them you should buy now, just yes. like you should have bought last year, just like right. you should have just, you know, you should buy now. You yes. have not missed out because yes. especially if you're buying a home to live in, that's the best way, you know, right. If you're buying it for an investment, we could talk about different things there. I'm not, I'm not the expert, but if to live in, yes, you should buy. Right. It's, it's so hard when you're, again, like everyone knows that. I know that, you know that, like it, the, that's good insight to be able to say to people, anytime you can buy a house and hold it for long enough, you're going to do great. I just remind people, are you, are you selling people a house today as an investment? Are you selling people because they want to get yep. in and out of it really quick? Right. If that's the case, yeah, you probably missed the mark. But if you want to raise your family or start your life or, you know, begin your new career, like this is definitely the time. Right. But if you're if you're buying as an investment, you have to look at the other side of the market. And right. part of the market is, hey, buy a house, live in it, raise a family, do whatever you're going to do. The, the other part is rent it out to someone else who's going to do that. True, and true. what are rent prices doing right now? Right. Running even faster Absolutely. than home price I take all my thoughts back on investment. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I, I was thinking short term, like the short term, right. I'm yeah, going to buy but, and try and you know, flip this thing and get in and out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which you can certainly do that. 
but they may use hard money. They may use other levers to, to get it done. But I agree. So, so interest rates are going to be the way they are. Are we going to see the sixes? I don't know. So I think if we do, it'll have to, you'll have to look at the war in Russia. That That's what Logan has said. So that's yeah. not my area of expertise, but he really feels like to get up that high, um, then then some of those other things are going to have to drop. Otherwise, you know, the 10-year yield, people are flying to safety, then, it, you know, right. yeah. all bets right. are off. And I think the, like, just like we talk about home price appreciation mm-hmm. and inventory and interest rates, like it is a housing market and yes. like a market has, right. has two sides. Yes. And one of the, Sarah's mentioned Logan and Logan's been in a lonely camp the last few months as he's been calling himself team higher rates and uh, talking about like the- You pot- could get lynched for that. He, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's like, kill that guy. Yes. Yeah. But, by uh, real estate agents. But yes. if you are a homeowner who is sick of seeing 23%, 19%, whatever like market mm-hmm. you live in, home price appreciation, higher interest rates are one tool that the Fed has to put a, to control yes. inflation yes. and control home price appreciation. Yes. And so there is a, a counterbalance there. And um, you know, there's other, like obviously we saw rates shoot up in the last few months and home price appreciation has kept running. But we have to see what the kind of the tail of that is. Like right. w- what does this recent increase in rates due to home price appreciation in Q2 and Q3? And it might be the control that this weird supply and demand imbalance like actually needs yes. to, to bring the market back into balance. And so we talk about the housing market and all we all want like success and great market dynamics Frothy right and, now. Yes, yes. But if you're in this for your career, like, like I am, mm-hmm. I want a healthy, sustainable, yep. accessible right. housing market for decades to come. Yes. And when you look at demographics, if the demographics support continued transactions, people buying their first home, upgrading at some point, relocating. That's healthy that Mm -hmm. if you can buy and upgrade Mm -hmm. and relocate when you want to. We're in a market right now where people don't always have that flexibility. The obvious next step might be too expensive. Relocating Mm -hmm. for that job in California Mm -hmm. might be off the table. Moving home to be with family in Florida, wow, real estate prices just doubled. So we have some dynamics right now that actually are unhealthy and can really get in the way of agents and loan officers and everybody else in the industry who are trying to build careers of steady transaction volume that they can grow their market share by being great at their job, not just grow their current year income because the market flooded them with an awesome opportunity like it did for loan originators right in 2020. Right. It's so interesting. It's like what's going through my head is a client of mine, Paul in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, who has this beautiful team ridge and, and he's frustrated by, you know, Hey, we take an $800,000 listing 27, you know, listed on Thursday, launch it on Friday, 27 offers over the weekend, final sales price, 1.1 million. They've had like 43% year over year price appreciation in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And you sit back and say, that sure feels like a bubble is going to burst soon. So I, even though I know it was at the bottom of my list, let's talk about that. What What's your sense of, you know, look at parts of California, yep. parts of Florida, par- parts of everywhere, every nook and cranny, Boise, Idaho, the president of my company moved from there. My He moved from Boise to uh, to Dallas. He puts his house under contract. He closes 60 days later. By the time he closes, he's got more than half of the required 25% down payment for his loan already back in appreciation. 
in 60 days. That is crazy. That's insane. You know, from my perspective, one of the things we talked about is how do you how do you define a bubble? Yes. So a bubble is not just like things went down a little bit. A bubble is like it it went down to where it started going up, which would be 2012. Right. If you it, if right. prices have to go back to 2012, you would have to see a 20 to 30% drop. You'd have to and why would people do that? Why would people sell their house at a loss when they have great financials? That you know That's the the, key. the homeowners right now, they have great balance sheets. Yep. They're they're doing great. There's no reason. They you know, we have great jobs right now. So we don't have a job loss recession coming. We don't, you know, is there a recession coming? Of course. There's, you know, the, these are cycles, but there's no reason for people who are in great financial shape to sell what just to go and and rent at a high high price. Yeah. But not every recession is a housing that, recession. That, yeah, very good. We all have this like this recency bias seven, in our seven, head. Seven, eight, nine, ten has a lot yep. of people look in their wounds. So they hear recession. That's all yep. they experience, and this is not the case. They they hear that the value of the properties they yes. they currently own are going to go right. down. Yep. They hear that oh I don't own anything now, so I'm going to wait until that bubble mm-hmm. pops. I'm going to buy again, just Get like my my friends and family did right. during the last cycle. Yep. That is not what any of the data is pointing toward right now. And what in like real estate's a local mm-hmm. game. So we can mm-hmm. talk about like Boise or parts right. of California right. or, or, right. or or Dallas. But when we look at it at a national level, what real the data is pointing, su- supported by jobs, supported by supply demand imbalance, supported by relatively still affordable interest rates, mm-hmm. we have our home price appreciation has set a new floor. And like so if we talk about a softening in home price appreciation. You're gonna see the people who don't cover this every day and don't yes. talk about it every day right. and see a data irregularity and mm-hmm. call it softness. Right. If home price appreciation flattens out, it could be a really good thing for for the housing market. It does not mean that home values are are popping or bursting right. or going down to um, great housing crisis kind of kind of yeah. levels. And I think that's like the really important distinction here is this housing market market has has found a new floor. Housing is more expensive than it was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and the demographics and the economic data is supporting this this floor. So like if home price appreciation fluctuates, comes down, probably not a bad thing. Yeah. But rest assured, the people who don't know this market well are going to see a slowing in home price appreciation right. and start start crying. But I also think, you know, it, it's also we need to talk about the loan products that people have. These are not arms. They're not no. underwater. They, yes. they got 30-year fixed yes. mortgages. Yes, at 2.65. Right. Vanilla, they're never yeah. leaving. You're going to brag I mean, about your interest rate until you die. Yeah, exactly. Right? And and that does create that <laughs> yes. next problem of inventory. Like, because right. if you sell, you're, you're a buyer. Why, yes. No, yep. Who wants to sell in this thing? But again, who wants to sell? You can't have a crash. Yeah. It's not a bubble if you don't have a lot of people wanting to sell at a loss. Doesn't it make you think if you're an agent today listening to this, you you should be trying to get as much local data as you can because we talk nationally right on this kind of show where we're like, here's what's happening. We're, we're 1.5 million properties we're going to build this year in the U.S. Well, what does that mean to me and wherever you are, right? Yep. You got to get the local data. You can get the local mortgage data to figure out how many homes in your marketplace have a mortgage, what percentage of your homes have 90% you know, loan to value, 15%. Like, once you start getting the local data, you're like, wait a minute, like, if the world hypothetically fell apart, we went into a recession, you're still looking at 39% of all homes across the country don't even have a mortgage. Right. Right. And then when you look at the percentage that these little money down, they've had so much appreciation since 2020, they went from 3% down. Now they're sitting at 20%. Right. So all of a sudden it makes you think, maybe I got to get out of the hype. Exactly. Okay. Now, but you guys are in the media business. There's some hype in the media business. 
So I, I'm not busting your chops. I'm, you know, like the old line headlines do more to terrify than they do to clarify, right? So what's your prediction on the next 24 months? What's going to happen with inventory? What do you think is going to happen with, speaking of hype, this is fun, interest rates, inventory levels, and inflation? What's going to happen? I, I'll, go, I'll go back to the, the hype and the headlines comment for, for, for <laughs> yeah. a good media don't, guy don't right let there. That go. <laughs> yes. So, so, I mean, our, our mission at HW Media mm -hmm. is moving the housing market forward. I am, I do not, we're not writing consumer headlines. Yes. We're not out there trying to generate Facebook buzz. We, yes. we don't need to like build our business off of clicks. We need to build our business off of our most loyal subscribers, Reputation. readers, yeah. atten event attendees yeah. coming back to us year yes. after year after year because we provide information, data, insights, resources, community that helps them be more successful real estate professionals. Now, if anything, there's times where we need to like push down the hype. And that's right. why I'm talking, I'm, that's right. why I'm forewarning right. that yeah. home price appreciation data is going to come down yep. and you are going to see from consumer focused, big media outlets mm -hmm. saying that a bubble is popping, but that yes. is not what the data is yep. actually saying. Yes. And so like, it's a, it's a funny position to be in. Yeah, we love big traffic days. Everybody does. You love to see when your right. podcast gets right. uh, tri right. triple the um, the downloads as, as normal or three times as many page views. Or, or We've had days where you have 100 times the page views right. as normal. That, that's that's great, but we're not writing headlines to attract the the search audience, the, yeah. ho the, the prospective home buyers who are out there looking for a reason not to buy a home like right. we're, we're talking right. about. We're trying to inform industry professionals and give them the information they need. Right. So- Back Keeping it question. real. Keeping it real. So what next twenty four months? So just just for fun, because <laughs> uh, before we started this show, we were talking about um, the data around showings. Yep. So I did get uh, February. Let's see. No, I got year over year. Right. So let's see. Showing index over the last five Februarys. So in February we had two hundred seventy one. I don't know how they're giving me this. Do you see that? 271,000? I'm guessing that's on a monthly basis, right? Because that would seem pretty small for a year. Or it's 271 million showings, which sounds like too many. Yeah, that's a, no, it's an index. I think it's riding off 100. So okay. Is, okay. So 271,000? It's got to be a 0.71 times the yeah, typical okay. showing amount. So, but what we're seeing is we're looking at 2019 showings were down from yep. 2018. 2020, they spiked up a little bit, 160. 2021, they went from 160 to 240. And in 2022, they went to 270. Yep. Wow. So, so a lot of people are like, I, I almost think sometimes agents talk themselves into the negative hype, right? They get concerned. Oh my goodness. And then they start talking about that stuff. So again, going back to the original question, what do we forecast for the next couple of years? What do you think is going to happen? So I can speak to inventory, right? Please, so inventory please. is is going to continue to be a problem. The the builders are not incentivized to build, right. especially when you still have these su supply, you know, chain, supply chain issues problems. And, yeah. They that does them no good, and really, they every every house they build becomes the competition for their for their next house. Right. So they. I think learned back in 2018 is when mm -hmm. is when they kind of got burned by that. So they're not, you know, they're not looking to build a whole lot. No. Then we just talked about the fact that you have a whole bunch of people who have a super low interest rate mm -hmm. and, you know, have all this home price appreciation. Why would they sell? Right. We already are seeing housing tenure now above 10 years. It mm -hmm. used to be like seven years. Now I think it's closer to 15. And, and you can just see that that's probably going to 
continue. So if yes. you don't have new homes and a lot of your uh, existing homes, people are disincentivized to get out of because of interest rates. It's hard to see how inventory changes. And because of that, I, I think you still have home price appreciation because you have competition for the few houses that are there. You've True. got a ton of demand. You don't have enough inventory. You're going to have home price appreciation. You look at the size of the millennial cohort compared to the boomers. The millennial cohort is bigger than Huge. the boomers and the boomers, like I, I made a statement and I'll, I'll get lambasted for this, but I say the, the boomers have to die for the millennials to buy. Like, <laughs> I mean, it sounds horrible, but it, like it's they're true. controlling all the inventory, yes. including all the investment properties. So, so, you know, we know we're down 5 million properties. Do we have no hope for the future on builders? I, I hate to say I don't I don't think so. Yeah, the housing okay. market can't bet on on new home construction to to solve its problems. I, I think it um is is part of the solution, but it can't be the only thing we rely on. And we also can't rely on the the boomers dying. The average no, boomer is not no. even sixty five no, yet. Exactly. Like and, and they and they're they, all living to be longer and longer and longer and longer. Yeah, so and they yes. and they value aging in place right. and they want to be close right. to, to grandkids. They're yep. not all flocking to Arizona yep. and Florida. So there's there's other dynamics that are like that are that keep boomers in their homes longer. The other thing that kind of compounds the the differences between boomers and uh, millennials is that the average boomer bought in their mid twenties and right. now the millennials are buying at thirty two. Yeah. And which is the reason we're in this wave. Right Right now, more people mm -hmm. turned age 32 in 2000 than any other year in history. The only other year that was beat was 2021. The only other year that will be is 2022, 22, again in 23, 23 and again in 2024. I, I'm making the argument the same yep. thing. I'm like, people ask me like, how's the market? I'm like, okay, well, yeah, we have less inventory. Interest rates are up. We have very real inflation. It's the greatest hedge to buy real estate. And then they go, but who's going to buy it? I'm like, this group, <laughs> yeah. what do you do between 22 and 42? You it's, Maybe you exactly. graduate college, you get a career, you start a family or you don't, but you buy something and it's usually a house. And good like and surprise, surprise, uh, Gen Z is a little bit smaller than us millennials, right. but not much smaller. Not and much the smaller. data that we're seeing right yeah. now is showing they value home ownership or potentially might buy even earlier than the millennial yes. generation did. Yeah. Since we appoint to myself as a millennial, we're scarred by the experiences of our parents sure. Dur sure. during 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, so dynamics a little bit different, but inventory yes. looking at 1.7 months right now, like just all time lows. I mean, right. we look, we look back, we haven't seen low, we haven't seen inventory has been on a steady decline since 2005. Right. And, uh, that just, it changes the market for originators and real estate agents. Transa transactions are still happening. They're happening fast. 2005 or 2015? Uh, it started declining in 2005. 2005. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and also yeah, check this out. Got it. Because I was thinking about the obvious spike of the the horribleness of seven, eight, nine, ten. But yeah, you see the you see the spikes in there. Yeah. Like there there's some there's some spikes in day, in months on or the the a monthly inventory at the end of market. But like the overall trend yeah. is tightening. And one point seven months. I mean that's national. So we know of all right. those markets where it's right. way less than a right. month, and right. you know it's even harder. Well, I look at this and say um, I googled a couple of days ago because I was just curious uh, how many homes are right now. And it was like 386,000. That's yeah, correct. Yeah. Right? So then, nationwide. Then go, yeah. Nationwide. The whole country. Yeah. US, 386,000. Then you go back to a typical April, spring market, 1.2 million, 1.5. We, we all hear these numbers. But when you hear that number, you think that's the entire country. Now, we all know there's a tremendous amount of off-market deals that are happening every Good single point. day. But the most important data point that I saw was kind of a green bar of old inventory carrying over into the next month, mm -hmm. right? And we went all the way back, like, you know, uh, beginning of the pandemic and literally looked at like February over February over February. And what's, what we're seeing now is like 
this much green, this much blue, <laughs> right? Like all the old, I, I would jokingly say to my clients, all the old crappy listings you thought would never sell finally sold at a record <laughs> price and you look like a star. The problem is now there's no more inventory. Yep. So, so it doesn't sound like we have any answer for that coming soon. No. And I, I look on a like, national level, like going back to this, like 16 year trend too. Yeah. We're also like timing this with a digital evolution in real estate and right. a time in 2005 where it took several weeks to get the word of a listing out right. there. And you're still going through, you're still going through print. And yeah. um, now if you're an avid realtor.com or Zillow user, you're probably screening for listings in the last 24 hours or last seven days. Right. So once something makes it past eight, 14 days, like a lot of the new eyeballs aren't even, aren't even seeing it. Right. So like, I think there's some, there's some like demographic and supply and demand mm -hmm. things driving this long-term trend of, yeah. uh, of lower inventory moving from staying on market from month to month. But we're also finally seeing some of the, the benefits of technology that are making the real estate market more point. liquid. It's easier to buy and sell as hard as it feels as right. an agent, as hard as it feels as a loan originator. Loan originators, the timing to close a loan has actually gotten worse over the last decade. So we're not right. like in a better place, right? but, um, it's actually better. No, no pun intended. Better. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> Sorry, ooh. better. <laughs> Today's show is yeah. not brought to you by better. <laughs> Visit housingwire.com for more details on Tom's inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We kind of covered inflation. So, so let's switch to a lot of consumers are saying, agents are saying, you know, I'm like, what's the biggest objection concern worry you get? Did I miss it? Should I wait? Now you talked about your own personal experience, but what does the data tell us? I think the data says long strategic pause. <laughs> I think the data says that at least through 2024 and probably a few years after, mm -hmm. you're going to have huge demand that's that's driving prices up. So if right. you wait today, how how long do you have to wait? Right. Do do you want to wait until 2027 and maybe it'll come down by then? But then do we have Gen Z coming through? Right. So from my perspective, the demand is going to be there for the next five years. So you should you should do something now if you can. And did you miss it? Is like. Well, I mean, we could all say that. I, I missed buying in California, you know, right. uh, in the 80s. Yes. Dang it. You know, but uh, I knew I should have invested in Amazon. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yes. but yes. to me, to your point, even and, and you can even still do investment deals now. I mean, sure. it's, it's not like you just if you're living in there. There's there's an industry calculus and there's a personal calculus as well. Mm -hmm. And there's like every potential home buyer has to calculate the advantages, the the intangible um, mm -hmm. benefits of ownership versus renting, and then also the financial benefits of ownership versus renting. And right. if we're talking about markets where rent price growth is going up forty percent, that twenty three percent home price appreciation doesn't sound doesn't sound that bad. Right. And so there there's a there's a math equation that can be done here to figure out if in the current year it makes more sense to to own or rent, mm -hmm. and then what's that projected benefit going out. Now I don't want to expect every homeowner and every agent to start running Excel models, but there's tools out there where you can do very easy cost benefits exactly. benefit analysis yeah. between between renting and owning. And if the economic data that we're reporting on, that we're talking to Logan about, we're talking to Mike Frat and Tony about the NBA, everybody at NAR, mm -hmm. all the, the chief economists at CoreLogic and First American, the data is supporting a, a floor in home prices. And yes. if home price appreciation slows, that still gives this prospective homeowner a roof over the head in the school district they want to be in right. and the stability in their lives right. that most people are seeking when they buy a house. Now, 
if you're buying a house in March or what month are we in now? April of 2022. And because that you think in April of 2023, that house is going to be worth 20% more. And that's the only reason it makes sense is because you're getting 20% home price appreciation. That's a harder bet to make. Um, Hey, it could happen, but I'm not rooting for that outcome. 20% home price appreciation again is going to put the overall housing market in a really perilous position. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. It's so hard because we're, you know, we all own real estate. This, this is our livelihood and you don't want to see anybody mentally cause themselves suffering. Right. Right. But, but I, I've been saying to people over and over again, do you need time or do you need money right now? And, and what I'm finding is the very best agents, team leaders, broker owners, loan officers, what they need is time because they're so busy because they're not listening to the noise. They're keeping their blinders, you know, kind of up and they're just doing the work, serving clients every single day. The loan officers are less busy, but they've, the ones that were smart, that were really focused on agent relationships, they're busy right now. The other group's trying to figure it out. This, this group needs deals and money, right? So, so I'm just trying to tell people like, hey, if you're over here and you think it's hard, right? This is not hard. Try interest rates at 19. Right. <laughs> Try interest rates at 11. Try just, you know, summer of 18, that little, like we were starting to tick yep. up and then it, it, it froze the market. Try selling real estate in the high end after 9-11, right? In New York city or Los Angeles or Miami, right? Like choose your heart, right? I think all the best people are actually birthed out of marketplaces like this. When there's yep. uncertainty, the vast majority of people that aren't as committed right? That we're kind of riding the wave, start to pull back. And that's where everybody else can jump in and really make a difference. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It's a difference between the professionals and the passerby. Like right. our, our theme for housing wire last year, 2021 was pivot to purchase. We were yeah. calling that in yeah. January Smart. and anybody yeah. that listened, um, not just us, like everybody out there, every, it, it, yes. every mortgage professional that has been through a single cycle, right. Right. two or three cycles, they really know what's going on. But even right. through a single cycle, right. you understand when you focus on purchase and that time is all the time. You always post, you always focus yeah. on purchase. Yeah. You always get close to your real estate partners. You always try to get close to homeowners and yes. your and your past clients for yes. referral business and return business. And it's the people who forgot that or came into the industry in a refi cycle mm-hmm. that'll get flushed out. And hey, maybe that's fine. Maybe it's better right. for the, maybe it's better for the industry. Hate hate to say that, but like it's um it's, it's a dynamic that's existed for 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 decades. I have a a slide that I show a lot from October of last year that was a study of all MLSs across the country. And I'm I'm about to get the new slide. So if you're listening, I want that new slide, which is the first quarter for the U.S. across the board. October said 73.5% of all the volume was done by 25% of the agents. Wow. That 51% of all the sales volume was done by 10%. So you've got 1.6 1.6 million agents. And we know there's a bunch of agents that are not affiliated with NAR. So call it 2 million, call it whatever you want. That means it's the rich and the rest. And I, I think I'm expecting going into this first quarter at the end of that, that that number is going to be even tighter and greater. That, that the flight to quality for consumers is very real. And those that just put their head down and do the work seem to get more success yeah. than the ones that are sitting around the water cooler complaining. I mean, we see that through America's best rankings that, that real transnational media are partnered yes. with, with you on yes. there and that I'm not going to like, like blurt out all the early Don't give all the early stats. We're, we'll do a whole live show on that. Yeah. One. We're, we're, yes. we're, uh, we, we have the 2021 uh-huh. data in. we're doing our analysis now preparing to announce yep. America's best in, in June. 
And uh, it's pretty telling that these um, these we we collect data on about the top one percent, one and a half percent of agents, yep. but we're getting a majority of the transaction data that happens in the country. So like right. you're seeing this massive scale come from top producers, 100%. and uh, that's that's and we're not just talking about like the coastal top producers. We're talking about people no. who do volume in Texas, and I, it's it's interesting. One of my clients in 2020, he and his wife and their team, Teamridge, right, did 864 transactions in 2020, did 3,020. The next year. Wow. Like, like we're talking like, but, but again, it's that consumer flight to quality. Who do you trust? You know, who does the right thing, puts out the right content. Like, I think the smart agent's going to listen to this, take five or six of your little micro clips and just put that into their Instagram, into their content. So they can say, it wasn't me. Sarah Wheeler said it, right? <laughs> That's pretty well, much how I live my life. Right. If I had to say Sarah said it. Sarah said it. <laughs> no like, pressure. I like that strategy. <laughs> you know, to your point about flight to quality mm-hmm. in this kind of market, are you going to trust somebody who is a hobbyist? Are you going to trust someone yeah. who's you – know, no, you're like, listen, right. if I have any chance of, of getting this offer done, I've got to have a professional. I've yes. got to have someone who knows what they're doing. And so I, I do think you're going to have more shakeout. Yeah. Yeah. And that's – it's hard because like I, I always say like I agree with you and then I say to myself – it's somebody's spouse, right. it's somebody's mom, it's somebody's aunt, it's somebody's kid. Um, but again, you know, t- the industry churns at 2% every month. And what the numbers show like 87% of people that get in the business five years later are out of the business. Um, so I think that consumer flight to quality and to your point around technology and better marketing, better educators, the people that are taking your content and putting that out there and doing like a video screen behind them of here's a housing wire ad or an ad, I should say a housing wire article right. and literally saying, here's my interpretation of that. We're seeing more and more of that. That's who's winning right now yeah. on a, on a broader scale. So, so let's end with war and economy on a high note, on a high note. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to know what that's going to look yeah. like. I know over the last, you know, two years, one of the things that Logan Motoshami has said is that the, you know, we had a first shock with COVID-19 right. and then we've adjusted. Yes. We've adjusted to it in, you know, in the way that we consume goods and the way mm-hmm. that we work and in, in every way. And so you wonder if, you know, I, to your point, we're fighting wars all the time. This one right. is a very visible one and it has some real impacts on energy, on yes. supply chain. So so it is uh, more impactful than maybe some of the things going on in the world. But at the same time, we adjust. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's a it's a short term. Even if the war goes on, we will learn how to do this within the war. That's that's my t- take. The tragedy is we got used to it in every other war. It is sad, it, right? It, it, it's terrible. It, yeah, I, I hope for the person, that if you're just listening, like the frown on my face, like it's just, yeah. it, it just, ugh. Right. Like really? Yeah. Um, but then again, like having friends in Ukraine and having friends in Russia, like you, you just hate to see that suffering at scale. And now it's, it's, it's not a war on CNN. It's a war on TikTok. Absolutely. It's yeah. a war on Twitter. Like you see it everywhere you go. There's just this real content. So it, I think it, it creates just a layer of sort of black cloud for some people. Like we finally got the layer of, of COVID off, especially today. Yep. Right. Like you can get on airplanes now with no more masks. Right. Which is exciting. But now there's like this new layer, and I think it just creates more uncertainty for people. So I'm mean, not trying like, to be a buzzkill here, Clayton. We can just, equate that like uncertainty to sentiment, and that's where I yeah. think probably the most important thing to talk about is like the global um, economic stage impact on the U.S. housing market. Mm-hmm. A big part of that is driven by sentiment. So we talked about home builders a little right. bit earlier. Right. Uh, I had Rick Palacios from John Burns on the Housing News podcast yep. last week, and the March home builder sentiment survey that John Burns has been doing for 13 or 14 yeah. years is kind of like the the bellwether for for home builders. Um, Massive drop off in sentiment in March from from February, primarily driven by by two factors. Um, we're 
really predicted to be two factors. It's yeah. a third in there. So one supply chain, um, the global, the global, uh, stage is, is messing up supply chains. Mm-hmm. And obviously like this, like the bigger concern is the impact it's having on the, the citizens of U- Ukraine. Right. But there's the, the supply chain impacts are, are large and far reaching. And these, those supply chain problems began long before this Ukrainian conflict to start with. So, um, supply chain issues are huge that mm-hmm. flows through to higher materials cost. Um, um, labor. So the labor market is incredibly healthy. We're, we're at like 3.7, right. 3.8% unemployment right now. Unemployment. I call bullshit on that number. Let's go for it. Okay. I was listening to this podcast with a woman who's the, she was like one of the great advocates of the early days of women coding. And she was talking. So now her new thing is like during the pandemic, 11 million women walked out of the workplace to take care of their husbands, their kids, their lives and decided, Hey, I'm, I'm out. So, so I hear these large chunks of numbers and I haven't heard them come back. So when I hear that, like 3.7, even like, I don't care, Obama, Trump, ding, ding, ring a ding, name the lunacy, right? They always talk about these numbers, but there's that giant group of people that have just checked out. They opted out of the workforce. Right. So, so I hear you and I'm not calling you know BS on you. I'm just saying, I hear those numbers and I'm like, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, job openings, we have 11 million job openings. I know. 11 million. I, so you have to go. I feel like I have all those. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Us too. And and so you go, you know, if you have opted out for different reasons, have those reasons changed and now you're opting back in. Right. Sounds or, like something we should or, look at. Or, yeah. or not opting back in. Right. And then, then, then the number is real. But, but ultimately, right. like wage growth is happening right now because of inflation inflation and because of low unemployment. Now, if people who opted out of the job market during COVID decide to come back in, maybe that will put some uh, pressure on the the wage growth and we'll see wages kind of return to a more normal level. But when you talk to people in the home building industry, the wage stories are, are insane. Right. And like, like, like essentially like doubling the cost of labor in, in, in some markets for for, for certain trades. And, and that puts a lot of pressure on new home prices and it puts a lot of pressure on builder sentiment. So I mentioned supply chain, I mentioned uh, uh, wages, and then interest rates. So builders got scared to death when they saw that 5% number. Right. Changed really quickly. So right. I was talking to Rick about this anecdote in Charlotte. There's a new home community with 51 houses and a wait list of 1,000 prospective home buyers. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's insane. That's 51 incredible. houses, 1,000 yeah. people waiting. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that, waste, that wait list has shrunk as rates hit 5%, sure. not just because potential home buyers got skittish or their sentiment weekend, but because they actually got qualified out due to affordability. So their, their non-purchase focused loan officer qualified them for that house, um, at 500 K at 3% interest rates. The home price has now gone up to 550 or 600 Mm -hmm. interest rates are 5%. 5, So their payment has just jumped a considerable amount and they can no longer afford it. So Homeowners or, or home builders are are scared of that dynamic, yes. and uh, and when home builders get scared, um, they retreat and they bring less houses to market, and they slow down and they control their pipes. Like Sarah mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, every new house they bring to market is the the last one's competition. If it hasn't right. sold yet, it 
also helps set new floors. So if you're building homes in a 51 home community and you can benefit from the last house having more pressure on it, so it sells at mm-hmm. 3% higher. Yep. Next one sells at 3% yep. higher and 3% higher. You get to the That's end why of we that. release fifth- plan A, plan B, plan yep. C, plan <laughs> D, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's an experience. Bam, 51. It's an experienced yes. in, uh, industry. They, right. they know what they're doing, but sentiment matters. So um, we have what's happening on the global stage impacting consumer sentiment. We have, and Fannie Mae just did a study that came out in the last week. And I think they're seeing, um, they're, they're seeing consumers believe that their housing is becoming less affordable and more difficult to find. So they're just opting out of their, their search. Um, but we still have this supply demand imbalance that, um, is weighted toward the demand side. So even as some consumers, prospective home buyers, prospective trade up buyers may opt out or may sit on the sidelines, the demand imbalance still sits there. So it's, uh, you see weakening in metrics, but the imbalance still persists that should drive continued health and appreciation. Yeah, you know, I um, I was talking to Ryan Lundquist. He's an appraiser in Sacramento, which is a huge hot housing yeah, market. Crazy and, market. And you know, he had he had um, metrics through March about you know our homes being sold above or below listing. Actually, in March they they sold uh, above listing more than they did in January and February, either at or above up to twenty five percent more. But okay, that was March, right? Yeah. So even so but long in, ago, right? But even days. in the last couple of weeks, he said that you sure. know what bas- what what people are telling him, what he's seeing as mm-hmm. an appraiser is that um, you you still have really strong bids, but instead of like fifteen, maybe you have ten. Right. But listen, I mean that's still incredibly strong. Ten is ten. Five is five. Two right. is better than none. Yep. Right. Two is better than one. We're gonna have a lot of good things to talk about the Gathering of Eagles. This I can't year. wait. Yeah, I can't we're, wait. Uh, we're heading out to um, to Colorado Springs to the to the Broadmoor. We're inviting uh, Mr. Tom Ferry to to stage. So Tom's yes. gonna be joining us with this group of real estate brokered CEOs. And you and you've used Teamridge a few times. Maybe we need yes. more Teamridge leaders to uh, to join us at the I, Gathering. I would argue, especially for all my team uh, leaders, Teamridge is just a you know, broker broker team versus traditional broker, and then all the teams yep. that are out there. If you're watching this, you should absolutely join us. I will be there. Um, this is one of those conferences that I, I share with people that, and I'm a main stage speaker. So I, I, I say this like with the most respect, even for myself, it's not about who's on stage. <laughs> it is about who's in that room, Yeah. right? It's, it's the industry movers and shakers on the mortgage side, on the real estate side. Like I kind of plan my experience at gathering of was like, who do I need a meeting with? Who do I want to sit down with? And who have I just not seen in forever? Yep. That I just want to say, hey, you know, we've known each other for 25 years. And for the last two years, we haven't seen each other anywhere except maybe a Zoom meeting. So I'm excited. So is there room yeah. if somebody wants to sign up and go to this? Yeah, there is. So, yeah, you can visit Real Trends and check out okay. the events tab. Um, Steve Murray started this event yes. a couple of decades ago. Yep. been bringing in the movers and shakers of the real yep. estate industry for for lo- a lot longer than I've been part of it. But yep. uh, we're thrilled to carry forward the, yes. the, the gathering torch and bring together some and, people, and at, people at the Broadmoor. Which is, people yeah. love this media, this gathering. They love it. They're super loyal to it. And we have time in the afternoon for them to do the kind of networking you're Deal, talking deals about. Happen, Deal, yeah, happen. Deals happen. M&A has happened. People figure out mortgage, new tech Mortgage JVs have happened. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Those, 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 those core deals. services deals are uh-huh. popping. So fun fact for the person that's listening, uh, I was looking at some 2018 data, right? So in 2018, $87 billion in top line revenue into the real estate brokerage industry called gross commission income, right? Core services, $1.87 trillion. Let me say that to you again, $1.87 trillion into mortgage title, escrow, you know, like all the different other services. Um, so it is interesting to watch the 
the teams and the teamages and the indie brokers finally realize that over the last decade and race into these deals. So I know a lot of that stuff's happening there too. And that's just a fun fact for everybody to pay attention to. Absolutely. I mean, we just, we just wrote a story last week or the week before about, about a brokerage that their whole model is they don't make money on, on uh, the real estate side. They yeah. make money on the title side. Yeah. So, it's one of Tracy's stories, right? Yeah. And, and it was, uh, no, it was Samson properties. Um, I think Matt wrote it up, Matt, but yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah, they worked be, on it together. But yeah. But definitely like hit on the theme of like hundred percent commission model, yeah. Yeah. but the, the brokerage is I'm biting uh, my tongue right now, but yes, <laughs> yeah. there's a model for everybody. I know, but yeah. no, but I, hey, not, not, not advocating right? it profile yeah. yet. So yeah, check, yeah. check it out on, on yeah. real trends. You got to get a feel for what for someone sure. trying to, trying to mix it up is doing. You can even argue like Southern California, cause the commissions are so high. Like I, if someone's like, Hey, I'm starting a real estate brokerage in Southern California. I'm like, do you own an escrow company? <laughs> <laughs> do you have part of a title company? Yeah. Cause if you don't, you're, de- you're already dead. Right. So, so I think that's interesting. What is the agent site you guys have? What's more sort of agent centric in terms of content? So like we open house. So open house is our newsletter focused okay. on agents. So That's yeah. So if was. you're, if you're on real trends, you can subscribe to two newsletters. One broker source. Yeah. that's more focused on like the broker, the team ridge leader, yes. the team yes. leader yeah. and open house, which is kind of like agent focused yes. and like broader housing market yeah. information. I think yeah. open house is a lot of those like tidbits. You can I love like kind open of house. Yeah. Re- repurpose yep. into, into content to educate the consumer. I agree. Um, so we went from war and uncertainty and bad sentiment <laughs> amongst builders yeah. into open house and come to a conference. Hey. Okay. So this has been super fun guys. We covered a lot of ground. Um, what I find with my listeners is they have a tendency to listen longer, right? Whether it's on YouTube or podcast, or whatever it is. Um, they take a lot of notes. They're probably going to have questions. Is there a way to ever get access to the two of you? Putting Absolutely. you publicly on the record here on the show. Sarah at hwmedia.com. Send me a line. I, I answer lots of things. Cool. Um, we're also very, you know, uh, on social, you can find us yep. through editorial yeah. at housingwire.com. Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H. At, at hwmedia.com. Okay. And? And anyone can hit my me My home up number on, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay out of my inbox. Um, uh, yes. Hit me up on Twitter, Clayton A. Collins, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or LinkedIn. Um my inmail is always open. So, uh, or find me a gathering of Eagles. I'll be there in person and, right, uh, we can right. have a cocktail together. But, okay, um, last question. No, yeah. good, good. Yeah. Clayton A. Collins on Twitter or Clayton Collins on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I'm there. Love I'm it. active. All right. So thank you guys so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Make sure you reach out, follow him on Twitter. If you got questions, Sarah is a wealth of information. As you can tell, reach out, ask questions. Most importantly, thank you so much for watching the show. Like, subscribe, leave a, you know, leave a question, a comment, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff. I'll eventually get that script down, but thank you so much for watching. We'll see you guys on the next show. Take care. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the housing news podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you. Thank you.